0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host,
0: Brandon Adams. So I have to confess something off the top of the show here today. Obviously, vacation for us, enjoying a little time on a Royal Caribbean cruise which I'm very excited about. And when you're getting the vacation shows ready, you have to sort of do some pre-planning. You have to look ahead and say, okay, what do you want to talk about? You know, it's not a regular sort of reaction to the news cycle type thing. You have a chance to sort of talk about whatever you want to. So what do you want to talk about? And one of the things that kind of came to mind for me was a topic. And as I was kind of laying the topic out, I sort of thought we were moving in one direction, but as I actually kind of laid it out, I have to admit something this didn't quite work out exactly the way that I thought that it would in terms of making me feel the way that I wanted to feel. I just have to be honest about that, that what I expected to feel and what I actually feel are slightly different here. And I'm going to kind of walk you through the journey with me to see if you kind of arrived at the same point that I did. Let me begin this way. There is something that Georgia fans heard last year way more than they ever wanted to. And some of this was sort of good natured and fair. Some of this was just sort of trollish and unfair, but either way, you heard it a ton. The idea that okay, yeah, Georgia may have won the national championship in 2021, but it had a historic defense. It had five first rounders. It had whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, you know, way too much talent to ever imagine coming back and doing that again. Given the fact that so much of that talent has kind of moved on, kind of gone somewhere else, that that the idea of being able to do that again just not really all that possible that, that that you may have you may have done that a year ago but you're not going to be able to do that again that's just not the kind of thing uh that you're going to be able to do and Georgia fans heard that so much they were tired of it a lot of Georgia fans obviously around here we believed that was overstating the challenge that Georgia was facing but nonetheless it was a legitimate talking one in fact as a way of kind of explaining what I mean by this or right, reminding you, let me give you an example of someone who I think did this in kind of a good-natured way, who did this with a very fair, legitimate way, that if you want to go back to when uh, David Pollock, obviously the former UGA great and ESPN College Game Day analyst, when he was on our show back during the summer, he talked about that and you know, David, who obviously, you know, loves his alma mater and certainly was a believer in in, in Georgia. He talked at the time about all of what Georgia had lost off this, what at the time was the the past year's team in 2021, and the challenge of of having to replace that for 2022. He discussed that then. There were a lot of other people who said this in a lot more of a trolling way, but David's words were at least worth considering the time. This is what David said on our show last summer.
1: Uh, You're not going to be the team you were. Look at the draft, VA. Like, you lost 15 guys. Yeah. I mean, you just lost a lot of talent. You can't replace that in one year. You can't you can't hit that in one um, you know recruiting class in the last couple recruiting classes. For goodness sake, it's it's really special. But uh, you know, the opening week against Oregon is, is going to be a tremendous challenge. And then if you look at the schedule; you're gonna, probably going to have some time where you can you know build some depth. You know, work on your defense. Y- your defense is never going to play ever. At that level, because it's the best front seven I've ever seen in my life, covering the game or being around the game. But your defense will still be really good because of your DCs, because of Kirby, because of the recruiting. So I think that takes a step back, but I think the offense will be better than we've seen in a long time at Georgia. So you just keep doing what you're doing with the pieces that Coach has brought in place, and I think you'll be successful.
0: So once again, that was David Pollock from our show saying, "Hey." defense lost 15 or you know the the program loses 15 total NFL draft picks defense loses five first round draft picks that is going to impact the way the defense plays in 2022 now there were other people who kind of took a you know I guess more uh uh, sinister view of all this and they you know got all excited about Georgia can't win the national championship because they lost 15 draft picks. You never heard David Pollock on our show a year ago say Georgia can't do it. He just said all of the challenges that Georgia faces were going to make it difficult and challenging because of what Georgia was losing. You know, off that off that roster from a year ago, there were other people who were like, "Ah, oh, Georgia loses so much; they've got no chance of competing." In fact, we all remember this when Alabama was preseason number one. Everybody in the world thought Ohio State was preseason number two, and Georgia was kind of tucked in there at the preseason number three spot. They're sort of at the podium, but it's like that bottom step. They're kind of the also-ran consideration, but no one was picking Georgia back during the preseason when the national championship, and the reason why was because, as David Pollock articulated, Georgia was going to have so much difficulty replacing what it had lost off that 2021 team. Well, guess what? We know how that story ended. Georgia went 15-0. They won the national championship. They did it with relative ease, and the notion that oh, Georgia had lost too much to compete was – frankly a forgotten notion by the end of the year in fact there are a lot of people who try to rewrite history and sort of pretend like Georgia was never doubted prior to the start of the season but those of us who didn't start paying attention five minutes ago we all remember yeah there were a lot of people were saying georgia lost too much to be able to contribute Georgia, or i should say to to, to uh, uh, compete georgia lost too much there's no way they'll be able to do it we remember all of that well guess what because of what georgia did in 2022 if you're a georgia fan you don't have to hear any of that in 2023. You know, it may have been fair, realistic to question or even doubt Georgia's ability to replace the 15 draft picks that it lost off the 2021 team. But when you look at what Georgia did in dominating in 2022, even after losing those five first round picks and the 15 total draft picks and you know, all of the great contributors to that team. Now you would probably be reasonable to assume, well, whatever Georgia has to replace for this upcoming season, Georgia should be fine because Georgia is just that good. That's the good news. If you're a Georgia fan, you don't have to hear any more the thing that was beaten over your head a year ago. Your team lost too much to compete. Your team lost too much to contend. So that is what I had kind of planned on talking about today. And I think that what I'm saying is true. It's, it, I think that's that's correct is that Georgia played such a dominant brand of football a year ago that the prevailing narrative of the sort of pre-2022 offseason, that doesn't survive beyond being 15-0, winning a title game 65-7, to and all the other stuff that Georgia did. And if you're a Georgia fan, I think you ought to feel pretty good about that. But in sort of setting myself up to have this conversation, when you take a little bit of a gander <laughs> as to what Georgia did lose off last year's team, uh, the 2022 team, I mean, when you take a little bit of a look-see at all of that, you realize, oh, we may trust George to replace all of this, but that doesn't mean it is not a significant list that must be replaced. And frankly, it's a long enough list that I hope I haven't left anybody out and forgotten anybody that, that, that you know, kind of truly matters on something like this when you talk about guys who are you know likely moving on the NFL in fact let me give you a little bit of a snapshot of this here just for a moment of guys you know moving on to the NFL that Georgia won't have anymore and you won't have to hear any kind of uh, uh, concern trolling here this offseason of oh gosh how's Georgia gonna replace this how's Georgia gonna do that you won't have to hear that but as I start to put the list together for myself all of a sudden you start to you know you start to realize that even though Georgia has proven itself capable of doing it, the list of guys that need to be replaced is not necessarily a short one. In fact, let me show you this. This is my list. Yours may look, I guess, a little bit different. I don't really have this in any kind of certain order. I just sort of popped them on here as I sort of thought to put them. I got Nolan Smith. That's a guy that was Georgia's one of of its most important vocal leaders, also a really good player when he was playing. Now, the thing about Nolan is we saw Georgia play without him a good bit this past season, but his leadership was still present even when he was injured not playing. I think he still matters. I think that Jalen Carter may be the single best defensive player that Georgia's had on either the last two years. Uh, Obviously, when he was healthy and playing for Georgia this year, he was dominant Stetson Bennett was the starting quarterback the last couple of years who really finishes off a historic career Georgia he's obviously on the list Broderick Jones we're actually going to talk more about later on this week Jones is a massive figure here Uh, Warren McLennan the other offensive tackle you got to put him on there too Uh, Darnell Washington we talked about this uh, a little earlier was it yesterday I show I I guess Um, or no, maybe it was Friday show we talked about Washington a little earlier in terms of the kind of you know, hard work, gritty work that Washington did for this team that maybe he didn't always get all the credit for that he should, that he should but y'all know how good Darnell is. That's a huge replacement. We're going to do more on Kenny McIntosh later on this week too because of the kind of player specifically he was for Georgia. That's a huge replacement. And then Chris Smith is one of the best safeties this program has ever had. So that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight names that in their own way are massively difficult to replace. That does not change what I said a moment ago, though, that ultimately this is still a Georgia team that won't have to worry about hearing no one believing they can do this. Now the assumption is they will do it. Now the assumption is, well, whoever you lose, the next man up is going to be just as good because that's what 2022 seemed to prove about Georgia. But in saying that, which I think is legitimately good news for the program, you sort of have to admit that Actually, that list of guys that Georgia has to replace, maybe a little longer than I thought it would be. But the overall bottom line here on all of this discussion is, is that the transition from winning one national title to two national titles, it just sort of changes the way people think about you. You know, winning one national championship... We're sort of used to the idea of flukes sometimes in sports. Weird things happen, you know, these events that kind of just sort of pop up out of nowhere. We're sort of used to seeing that happen. And there may have been some people a year ago that tried to put that national championship for Georgia in a box of, okay, this is a thing that happened and all the events sort of conspired together at the same time for a sort of a perfect storm of sorts. Uh, Georgia better be lucky it won that one because it lost way too much to come back and do it all over again. But when Georgia comes back and does it all over again... All of a sudden, Georgia has to be completely reconsidered. And All of a sudden, this program is operating from a level of power and a level of resource that maybe a lot of folks didn't fully appreciate on its way to winning its first national championship. But now those of us who've kind of seen Georgia truly emerge in kind of the back-to-back, or as we say around here, go for two and 22, now that folks have seen Georgia truly emerge that way, all of a sudden now I think there's this assumption, well, it's just going to be easy for Georgia going forward. When you saw the list that I gave it to you a moment ago, does that look easy to find a new Broderick Jones, to find a new Darnell Washington, to find a new Kenny McIntosh, to find a new Stetson Bennett, new Jalen Carter? It's really not easy to do that, but Georgia's also shown you it has the ability to do what is hard. It did it in 2022, and Dog fans hope it does it in 2023 and there as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by engineered solutions of georgia and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us it, live on video normally it's 9 45 first and 15 dognation.com nation.com dog nation app this week though because i'm on vacation because these are pre-recorded shows it's 10 a.m across all platforms Dognation.com, dognation dog nation app facebook youtube twitter twitch we're just really happy to have you as a part of our program our friends in athens on the radio there as well athens sports radio 9, 6, the ref and as a podcast wherever you find them apple spotify world famous dog Uh, just all kinds of places for you to catch up with our program. And we really appreciate you doing that. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. I sort of feel like we've had a really rainy winter. I'm not really a weather expert. I don't really know how much above normal it actually has been, but it seems like it's rained a lot. And when it does rain around your house, maybe you think about water kind of creeping in where it's not supposed to be. That is a big reason I want you to keep my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia in mind because they really exist to solve those kinds of problems. Water, you know, in your basement, your crawl space down your uh in your garage, you know, that, that, sometimes it's like a little wet spot, other times it's like standing water. Either way, it's one of those things that you want to think about engineered solutions of Georgia for because they can protect you from that stuff getting in and uh, doing all kinds of damage the way that water can kind of do that. And those cracks in your foundation too, you see in the walls or down there in like the concrete floor your basement might be or something like that. Those cracks, you know this, are not always a great sign. And so it's time to get that seen about it. It's time to talk to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. First of all, their name tells you a lot about them, engineered. Uh, what that means is they've got a team of engineers on staff. There's really nobody else in our market that can say they've got that level of resource devoted to doing for you what our friends at Engineered Solutions George can do for you. They're also a solutions-based company. You know that word solution, their name there as well. They want to solve your problem. And sometimes that's a simple fix. And if that's the case, hey, go to the hardware store and get a whatever. In other cases, that's maybe a little bit more substantial work that needs to be done all the more reason to trust ESOG. They're also proud partners of UGA, fun to do business with those that support the dogs. and We are certainly grateful for all of you who support a, comp- a company like Engineered Solutions of Georgia that has been with us for such a long time doing the great stuff they have done. We are just so grateful for them and we really are confident they can do great work for you when you're facing a foundation or a waterproofing issue. In fact, my invitation to you is to give them a call. 678-ESOG now. That is 678- esog now that'll get you in touch with our friends and engineered solutions of georgia all right coming up in a moment we're gonna have part two of a conversation we started yesterday with dog nations connor riley i always enjoy being able to do that fun to hear from connor on the uh, program here today i want to do kind of one more thing though as we go around the doghouse kind of in keeping with the conversation we were having a moment ago which is hey you look at this list of georgia departures and while georgia has certainly proven here in 2022 that it can it can replace some big names. It did that along the way towards winning a national title in uh, in twenty twenty two, and it should be ready to kind of do the same thing here in twenty twenty three. There are some still some significant guys that have to be replaced, and I gave you eight of them a moment ago. I want to think about this also, from kind of a sort of a different perspective here for a moment. That not everything that has to be replaced is an on field contribution. After all, we said a moment ago that part of the big issue of replacing Nolan Smith is not just what he brought to this team as a player when he was healthy, but the level of leadership that he brought to this team even after he was injured and no longer able to play down the stretch for Georgia. became a permanent captain, was a captain for the TCU game, and an incredible vocal leader even when physically he wasn't able to contribute on the field. And some of that intangible stuff, you know, the one thing that Georgia coaches will say, players will say, fans themselves would would acknowledge is that it is a cultural thing that makes Georgia, Georgia. That's one of the things that's made this program so successful. And it's key leaders that contribute to that, that that culture that make all of that possible. So in the discussion of what Georgia loses and what it replaces and what needs to happen here, in the discussion of all of that, let's also add Kiaris Jackson's name to this uh, uh, this list here for a moment because when I think about Kiaris, I think about somebody who's truly special. And when I think about the 2022 national championship season for Georgia, I think Kiaris pops up for me pretty prominently on what mattered this year and what was fun about this year. I love the phrase that he, I think, invented. I think it was him that invented it of, hey, we want to put numbers on the wall. We want, you know, that's how we want to kind of mark our time here at UGA with the kind of season ending tangible results that get sort of tacked onto the wall for everybody to see for the uh, rest of time. And when you kind of create that kind of desire for legacy, that kind of hunger for success, it becomes the kind of thing that other players can kind of fall in line with there as well. And it becomes the kind of thing that can really propel the team forward. And I want to give you an example of this to kind of sort of bolster the point that I'm making. That with, you know, uh, you know Karras kind of moving on, Georgia needs more of this. Georgia needs more of what a guy like Karras Jackson has provided in fact this is some of that leadership on display on the way towards a go for two and 22 back-to-back national championship season here was curious
1: if something is working why stop it <laughs> that's my mind say I'm here to win games I'm not here to have a thousand yards 20 touchdowns if I wanted to come in for that I probably would have went someone else but I'm trying to put numbers on those walls and trying to be a national champion an SC champion so whatever coach Mike feels like it's going to put us in the best position to win I'm down for it
0: let me tell you something you already know not only would you like to have another Kiaris Jackson for this upcoming season, you'd like to have a thousand Kiaris Jacksons for the rest of time. Y'all, if you could bottle that up and sell it, it'd be priceless. This notion of a guy like Jackson who was a pretty big recruit coming out of Peach County as a high school uh, wide receiver, and at times has been a pretty important player for Georgia. Had you know a couple hundred yard receiving games back to the twenty twenty season, made some big catch, made a huge catch in the Peach Bowl, by the way. Uh, you know, for a guy that that has done some pretty big things in his Georgia career, but maybe like anybody else. Maybe you know saw other opportunities going to other players. His stat line maybe not as robust as it could have been, and yet Jackson's response to that is, "Hey, I don't want to stop anything that's working. I'm here to win. I'm here to see numbers in the wall. I'm here to see national championships earned, and that's what I'm about. My individual glory is secondary for me compared to all of that. I mean, isn't that about perfect? I mean, that really is the level of leadership a guy like that provided to Georgia. And if you don't have guys like that," then as a team you won't be as good as you could be and for Georgia for all the physical talent that it has had it is that sort of mental connection that 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 spiritual belief that this team seemed to have about itself with itself within itself that was just such a big part of what Georgia did this year so on the list of like big time you know tangible con- contributions that have to be addressed and accounted for what guys like Jackson also provided needs to be a part of that accounting there as well we'll make that around the doghouse and before I bring on Connor Riley here today a couple things for you here just for a moment first of all normally on Tuesdays it's the great former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm we'll look forward to doing that with Jake again the following week uh, when I'm back here live but for this week we're going to give Jake the week off because I'm on vacation but I will remind you you know Jake's appearance always brought to you by our friends at Kroger check out Kroger.com slash sign up to find out how you can sign up online at Kroger.com and on the Kroger app for a great way to kind of access digital coupons and save more money every time you visit Kroger using all this sort of fancy technology stuff. The app, the website, everything else, Kroger.com slash sign up. That'll get you going a lot more of that. And of course, a lot of you know right now I'm on a uh, wonderful cruise vacation, having a great time, Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, enjoying the, the fun, the sun, being outside. And of course, when I start thinking about beach and pool and everything else, one of the things I also like to think about there as well, our friends at The Finish Long Drink. And I'd love to have you try some if you haven't before. If In fact, if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can pick up some Finish Long Drink today, whether it be the cranberry in the You know sort of reddish can um i'm colorblind so i think it's red uh the reddish can the the long drink traditional and the blue cans got the grapefruit flavor the gin kick Long drink, strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume that's a black can i can recognize that the long drink zero no carbs no sugar you can find that there as well all of that with our friends at the finish long drink uh you can get that today and if you go to thelongdrink.com you can also find out where you can uh buy some golf courses around where i live bars restaurants, beverage stores, lots of ways for you to pick up the finished long drinks. If you've never tried it before, it's a great time to do so. Go to the thelongdrink.com long, the long and you can pick up a lot of that today. All right, before we are done, we're going to continue our conversation. We're a big question facing each of the teams in the SEC. This is our way of kind of trying to lay that groundwork before the start of spring practice. So we'll do that here coming up in just a moment. For now, though, Continue a conversation started yesterday on everything happening around UGA. Let's have a good time doing it. It is Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Happy to have Connor Riley as part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. And Connor, you're a content creator, so you sort of get this. When you're planning the vacation pre-record shows, you have to do a lot of sort of like advance work to get ready for that. And like one of the things I knew I wanted to talk about during this uh, sort of particular week was the fact that we spent a lot of time last offseason having to hear people outside the Georgia program talking so much about, oh, Georgia's lost too much. There's too much to replace. And that's going to be the big impediment standing in the way of Georgia winning another national championship. And obviously after Georgia, you know, responds to all that by coming back and winning again, you would certainly expect to hear a lot less of that here for this upcoming season. And yet I have to be honest with you, as I was kind of, you know, kind of making a list of, hey, you know, big name here, big name here, the actual list of pivotal players to be replaced for Georgia this upcoming season, when you see it listed out, it's a little longer than I sort of expected it to be. And I'm not saying in any way, this doesn't, you know, mean that Georgia is going to come back when the national championship again in 2023. I certainly don't necessarily believe that, but there are some big names that won't be here anymore. So I, I got to ask you. Who do you think the toughest, most important who, – who's the one or maybe one or two guys most pivotal for Georgia to replace here ahead of the 2023 season?
2: The easy answer is Stetson Bennett because I do think he did a lot for this team this past season, and whoever steps in for him is going to be an inexperienced quarterback, and I just don't think you can easily replace what you know the game experience that Stetson had. But to take a, a more different approach and a different route here – I'll say Chris Smith. That guy played a ton of football for Georgia at a safety position that Georgia asks a lot from its players at, and it's not going to be easy necessarily to replace him. But I do think Georgia has some interesting options and ways that they can go about it. One way that I'll be interested to see if they do this, maybe you move Javon Bullard, who showed some playmaking chops in that win over TCU, maybe you move him to the safety spot and you play Smoke Bowie at, at the star position, or you go Smoke Bully at safety and you keep Javon Bullard there at star They've got some interesting options there at that safety spot, but I think what Chris Smith did again, this guy was a unanimous first-team All-American, uh, just a really impactful player, a key leader on the Georgia for Georgia in the back end here. While yes, they've got a lot of talent uh, coming back, especially in the secondary. You look at a guy like Kamari Laster, a guy like Malachi Starks so with that safety position is going to be asked to do a lot more this season. The common presence that I think Smith brought to this team is not that is not going to be easily
0: replaced. Do you know, and I agree, I agree with everything you're saying there, I think that's a, a terrific answer, and you're right. Stetson Bennett's sort of like that given thing, so you sort of say Bennett and you move on talking about somebody else because obviously quarterback is a difficult thing to replace. But beyond that, do you know who I think we don't talk nearly enough about, and I've tried to do this myself over the course of the last couple of days, more, and this is not to disrespect Marius Mims, who I think is, you know, he has a chance to be one of the best players in the country this year. But, Connor, I don't know that it's been fully chronicled yet how good Broderick Jones was for this team this past year. And I think you see this reflect in a lot of the big boards for NFL draft stuff, where the NFL draft scouts, at least the ones that I've read, seem to be very impressed with Broderick Jones, I would say with good reason. To me, that's a reminder that Georgia got an uncommonly good performance from its left tackle this year. It should not be overlooked. It should not be taken for granted that even for a guy like if you whether he plays left or he plays right just the idea that he's you know your most important offensive tackle here for this year you know even with a guy like Mims waiting the wings I just think the name Broderick Jones has to be pretty high on your list of really tough guys to replace because I think that Jones gave Georgia an incredible season
2: I mean difference maker if you want to give me one player i don't know if one player had a bigger impact in the national championship games for georgia in 2021 or i guess technically 2022 than broderick jones that offense totally changed when he came into the game and they were able to move Mari Sawyer down to guard in that spot and he was just a rock for georgia from the, from that moment on and look Amari america i think they're going to keep him at right tackle and so Georgia's going to have plenty of options to play at that left tackle spot xavier truss is a name to know uh, Ernest Green is maybe the guy I think most would be interested in seeing there. We'll see how fully healthy he is following back surgery last season there. They've got a lot of talented guys that you can plug in there, and given what we saw Georgia replace in the offensive line from a year ago, and Jamari Sawyer was a key piece, Justin Schaefer was a multi-year starter. We've seen sometimes before Georgia go about the replacing, and they are, again, I think a Marius Knowing what you have in him makes you feel a lot more comfortable about what you have at those tackle positions. But, like, one of the things I'm going to miss the most about this 2022 team is when Broderick Jones got downfield as a, as a run blocker, he wasn't looking to just put your hands on someone. He was looking to bury opposing defensive yeah. players. And it was a really fun thing to watch. And, obviously, he's an incredible pass protector, incredibly long arms. That's why he's going to be a first-run pick in this upcoming NFL draft. But he was just a guy that, you know, so much of his discussion around him was how is he going to improve as a run defender – I thought by the time he left college, he was a better run defender and more physical player in that aspect than he was as a
0: pass protector. Very interesting. So along those lines, if last year was the offseason of, oh, how do you replace all this departed talent, all these 15 NFL draft picks, what do you think the most common concern expressed on George's behalf is going to be? What's the what's the obstacle that people try to put in front of George's way towards this third national championship? What's what's this offseason conversation going to be about, you think?
2: get to add in, you know, replacing Todd Munkin and and being such a gifted offensive mind, and the change that comes with replacing coordinators, it's one of the more underrated things as a head coach that they're going to have to do, and you can have some doubt there about what this offense looks like given, I'm sure there are still Kirby smart detractors out there, and there are people that are willing to give more praise to Todd Munkin, and they'll say oh, well now that Todd Munkin's no longer there, can Kirby have an offense that is able to sustain itself and keep going and keep producing, And, and so you'll have that thrown in there I think for me, you know, look, you and I have talked about this. I wrote about this uh, in, I believe, early February. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan and Kirby Swartz is a yeah. big Michael Jordan guy. And, and The Last Dance, I encourage you to go watch it on Netflix if you have not. The difficulty of just winning a third straight title, it's really hard. And if you take everything next year on a game-by-game basis, George is probably going to be favored in every, in every game. But when you take a 30,000 foot view, it's just really hard in a sport like college football to be that good. And that consistently excellent for that long. And we've seen teams get close before, you know, 2005 USC, they split a title with LSU in 2003, roll through 2004, look to be rolling through 2005 and they run into Vince Young at the end of it. And USC, they get stuffed on a fourth and short. Vince Young comes down and scores the end of that USC dynasty, Alabama, You know, wins 2011, wins 2012 when Kirby Smart was on the staff. 2013, they go into uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium unbeaten, and Nick Saban decides to kick a long field goal, and Chris Davis returns it for a touchdown, and that sort of ends that Alabama three-peat there. When you consider the games that Georgia's going to have to play, they're going to play a potential another 15-game season here. It's really, really hard to continue to win at that high of a level, especially against the league competition at the end of the year, which is what happened against USC, what happened against Alabama. It's hard to be that consistently good for that long in this sport, given there's so much turnover. And so I think that, to me, you know, the time Duncan thing, uh, that'll be a big talking point going forward, sure. But just can you do this for three straight years is the thing that is going to most interest me.
0: No, I think that's a pretty phenomenal. Uh, So I told you yesterday, one of the things that I was, you know, kind of doing with our interviews here this week is some survey style questions, some kind of topics that we wouldn't normally get a chance to address. And part of the genesis for this, something that you and I did last week where you were, I guess you took Todd Gurley over Nick Chubb. And so I thought that was kind of a interesting topic. So here's what I want to do. Mount Rushmore, Georgia players only. You don't have to give me all four if you don't want to, but you can't give me nine, right? It's like four is the limit here. Who are the players that you would say, without a doubt, all-time Georgia, Mount Rushmore, obviously any era, any position, but let's keep it to players only here. Who is definitely on your list?
2: Herschel Walker. Yeah. David Pollock, I think, are the two obvious players. Uh, you have to have them. I think Seth and Bennett, based on what we've seen him do, has to be on there. You know, two national championships back to back, a starter in each, uh, especially being a Heisman finalist this past year. Right. So, right now, I'm going to say Roquan Smith because okay. I think of what he meant when he changed that program. But let's say Georgia does win a third national title. The answer is Brock Bowers.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I mean.
2: And I'm, I really want to put Brock Bowers on there now, but I, we need one more year from him to, and then he'll go off to be a first round pick to have his full career sort of to look at there. But like, again, guys won two national championships as the leading receiver in his first two years in college football. And pretty much every time he stepped on the field, has been the best player on the field. I think the only other guy you could say that about to have that kind of an impact at Georgia is Herschel Walker.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that hurts Bowers is the fact that Georgia at times has been content intentionally not to use him as much as they you know possibly could because if you really chose to feed him game in, game out, his numbers obviously – I mean, he almost had 200 yards receiving the national championship game. He could have, have these eye-popping stats if that's what Georgia chose to use him. They don't really choose to use him that way. I do believe he's – and I say this with all due respect to, I guess, Jalen Carter is probably second on that list for me. I do believe that Bowers is the best individual player that has played on these back-to-back national championship teams, and I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I?
2: I would agree with that there. (laughs) Again, this maybe goes back to why I have Todd Gurley over Nick Chubb. Like, yes, Chubb has superior stats, and there are other guys that will have better statistical measures – than Bowers. But, like, B.A., we were there. We have eyes. We watched what happened. We watched the way these games played. We watched the way these players played. We watched the way, I I think, the Georgia fan base embraced these players. And and with Brock Bowers, like, there is not a more popular player. Uh, He has a universal 100% approval rating among the Georgia fan base there. I, I think he signifies so much of what Georgia is as a culture right now. Just, a little overlooked as a recruit in part because of some weirdness surrounding the fact that California didn't have a high school senior his senior there came a little bit under the radar which Georgia has made a habit of doing in their time here and, and the guy maybe a little unconventional just given the position that he plays but is just so so dominant in in, in all aspects and, and more than that the way coaches and players talk about him off the field you know the, the, the report that he turned down money from Georgia's collective so it could go yeah. elsewhere. From day one, you hear Todd Hartley talking about his competitive excellence. Uh, just the things that he does, both on and off the field, I think just make him something that look. Even if Georgia doesn't necessarily win a national championship next year, but he has the season I think we all expect him to have, he's going to be very worthy of being one of the four best players to ever play at the University of Georgia, and made very well. You know, it's, it's expanding it out to where we include just the actual Georgia Mount Rushmore, which we'll have been Julian Kirby Smart on it.
0: Sure.
2: I think May Bowers might make a case to be the fourth person on that one as well.
0: Boy, that's really interesting because the other name that you mentioned there, Stetson, Ben, I want to ask this about Stetson. We can do this kind of quick here and wrap things up. But do you think the time is going to add to Bennett's kind of resume here at Georgia, or do you think it eventually will detract from it? I'll tell you why I ask you that, because... In the biggest games that George has played the last two years, Bennett has seemed like among the most important players for George on the field. Uh, Orange Bowl against Michigan, championship game against Alabama, obviously the run through the playoff this year. But over the course of the last 30 games, these two back-to-back national championship seasons, the overwhelming majority of those games, I would say for me, it's been a situation where Bennett has been one of the guys on the field. But I don't know how many times i felt like Bennett was... George's most important player so if we go 20-25 years from now do you think that Stetson Bennett looked at as an even better player than he's currently looked at or do you think eventually he'll just sort of feel more like an ensemble piece to what was an incredible collection of talent what's the future when we look back on Bennett how, how is the way we view him going to change
2: I, I think it's going to be similar to that in a Kobe Dean you know I, I mentioned Roquan Smith over in a Kobe there look I think that Kobe similarly won a Buckus Award, All-American leader, and and won a championship, something and Smith did not. But I think because of the fact that he played with so many talented people around him, I think eventually it's going to sort of start to detract from his legacy and his resume. And that's unfortunate for Stefan, but, look, there's going to be some other Georgia quarterback that comes along that does go out and put up better numbers than Stetson did and is – potentially, though, I'd be surprised, at least in the current iteration of what Kirby Smart has going, plays, as you point out, a bigger part in Georgia winning a national title that might make it easier to say, oh, well, X was a bigger reason than Bennett, and that's why I have X over there. Uh, And and so I do think you are correct in the way you sort of outline it, and I think Nekobe Dean is a great example. I think Jordan Davis is a similar example of guys who, in the moment, have such a clear and big presence on the team but as we get farther out and assuming Georgia wins to more national championships uh the more Bennett's lack of statistical dominance probably keeps him off that list going forward like again as much as I love Todd Gurley as great as Nick Chubb is like their stats still pale in comparison to what Herschel Walker did in addition to Walker having the national championship there like at a certain point when we start taking farther and farther and getting farther away from when these guys actually played it becomes harder to keep them on there just given the fact that their numbers are playing under Kirby Smart. And Again, they're not playing for numbers, but those numbers are somewhat diluted.
0: Uh, Connor, it is a uh, very, very well-reasoned argument, really good stuff. Thanks for your time here today. Appreciate you making it for us here on the uh, vacation week. We look forward to talking to you back here live again next week there as well.
2: Yep, as always, it was a pleasure.
0: Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Good stuff from Connor Riley here today. We appreciate him uh, a couple times here this week. Really good stuff. We got two days with Mike Griffith coming up on Wednesday and Thursday. That ought to be a lot of fun there as well. Great, great interviews. And so thankful for my, my colleagues are stepping in to help me kind of create some shows here for this week so that um, that we can still deliver Dog Nation Daily each and every day, despite the fact that I am currently enjoying a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And speaking of royal caribbean cruise vacations time now to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and i will tell you although many of you already know this i'm on board wonder of the seas here this week enjoying myself doing that uh f- you know wife two kids this is actually our kids first cruise and this is one of those things that last year uh, uh my wife and i we had a chance to be on harmony of the seas uh great oasis class ship beautiful large cruise ship so many different cool experiences and for us, we probably hadn't had a trip away, just the two of us, since uh, probably like 2016 or so, if I'd done the math correctly. I think it had been a few years since that she and I had kind of, you know, we had the occasional night away or something like that. But a true, like, getaway, you know, true vacation, just the two of us, we hadn't really had that. And so last year, we had the chance like the seven-night cruise. It was unbelievable. And we had a great time, just the two of us. It's good to be able to reconnect like that. But while we were there, every time we'd see something really cool, we are like, gosh, our kids would love this. Oh, my gosh, they think this is so great. Because Royal Caribbean really is a family cruise line, right? And they really, you know, create an experience that that is for the entire family to be able to enjoy. And so, so much of what they have was really fun for adults. But a lot of it was this thing of, man, this would be great for kids, too. It'd be great for our kids in particular. And so the entire time, we're like, man, if we can just find a way to make it happen, take our kids on a cruise next year, we just really want to be able to do that. Well, luckily enough, even though we've had kind of a lot going on, like a lot of you do there, too, know we have kind of found a way to sort of get us all on board this cruise ship and i tell you i just am so thankful to be able to have that experience in my life and i'll tell you that you can do the same kind of thing with jessica slater great travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean you can give her call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 she'll walk you through all of the various options you have when it comes to a royal caribbean cruise she can even tell you more about the dog nation cruise uh, coming up in april Royaldogs.com. in fact website she's put together on that that is royaldogs.com for more on that. You can have a great, great experience, and Jessica can help walk you through all of that. All right. So, with that said, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC. And many of you know what we've been doing over the course of the last few days, trying to use this period of time as a snapshot for what the SEC is going to look like this year. And we're asking, you know, one big question for every SEC team. We've already done this for Florida and LSU and South Carolina, and Texas A&M, others. And we're going to keep rolling through that. When it's all done at the end of this week, we hopefully will have a really good picture of, as I said before, the landscape around Georgia, the final year divisions in the SEC, kind of how all this is going to play out. So let's start today by talking about uh, the Tennessee Vols. And I think there is one big question that kind of awaits Tennessee. And we alluded to this a little earlier, but we'll kind of keep that conversation going here right now. The next question for Tennessee, or the big question for Tennessee, is whether or not, as a program, Vols can take the next step. Because here's the one thing you can't deny. Tennessee was a good team this year. And Hooker was a very good quarterback. Uh, they were very explosive offensively. They won games. They established an identity. This, for Tennessee, was a good season. I use the word good intentional because it was south of being great. You beat South Carolina. You go 11-1 and the regular season. You maintain your status as a playoff contender, well, that may have been a great season. What Tennessee had was a good season. Well now Hendon Hooker is gone, and so you left to wonder, can a team that was good in 2022 do what its fans wanted to do and become great in 2023? And I will tell you, there are a lot of programs who've tried to take that next step and found it to be a real doozy. And if I had to assume the same thing's gonna probably be true for Tennessee as well. Now, here's the one thing I do believe we've learned about the Vols because we saw this not just in 2022, we saw this in 2021 there as well. This is a team capable of uh, of establishing a potent offense. That the that that Tennessee, as long as Josh Hagel is head coach, regardless of who the quarterback is, I believe they are likely to score points. Now, this year for quarterback at Tennessee, you have a lot of intrigue around whether or not a guy like Joe Milton, who at one point in time was sort of brought here to be the Tennessee starter and yet eventually lost out to Hendon Hooker, whether or not he can be that guy or a incoming freshman like Nico Maleva, eventually steps in and, and kind of earns that job. Whether it's the freshman or the veteran, My expectation is that Tennessee probably scores a good number of points, but also my expectation is is that defensively, they still probably look a good bit like what they've looked like in the past, a team that has a hard time getting stops when it needs to, a team that is probably still a little more on the finesse side of things as opposed to the physical toughness that typically defines the very best in the SEC. When you look at Georgia's regular season slate, it just sort of seems objectively true that Tennessee ranks as Georgia's toughest opponent. Playing the game in Neyland Stadium probably makes that even a little bit tougher. But I don't think there's really any reason to expect a Tennessee team that couldn't really compete with Georgia and keep it close in Athens in 2022 that the venue change alone is going to change much by this overall outcome. I think that Tennessee was a good team in 2022. and It had been a long time since the Vols were good. I think the Vols in 2023 and its fans, they may have to still settle for good there as well. That next step towards greatness, not quite so sure I see that here right now. Moving on, another big question here in the SEC. How about for Mississippi State? We obviously know the terrible tragedy they dealt with. Mike Leach, uh, their coach, passing away unexpectedly, and then Zach Arnett was hired. Now, you know, obviously, you know, Leach's memory will continue to be honored, and that'll be continue to be discussed. But there is, I think, in Starkville now, this feeling of, gosh, what happens with this football team? How do you get back to the business of playing football? And I think there was something really interesting about the Arnett hire at Mississippi State. Obviously, there was a need to maintain some continuity because of just how um, how challenging it is to deal with the passing of a coach right there in, in such an unexpected fashion that, whatever you can do to hold on to some continuity probably keeps your program together and so arnett now gets his chance to be sec head coach and it's interesting to think that that i mean this is a guy who i think we've kind of noticed prior to the promotion here because of the fact that when you look at the overall identity to what mississippi state has been the last couple of years a lot of that i think was influenced by arnett this is a tough football team and when they played georgia in 2020 and you know, georgia was a big favorite that day but they gave georgia kind of all they wanted this this past year up in Starkville ultimately Georgia kind of stepped you know you know kind of stepped on the gas a little bit and kind of extended its lead and won the game a little bit more comfortably uh, a, a little more easily but at one point in time they were kind of getting a little bit of a tough battle from Mississippi State and once again I believe that that Arnett was one of the guys to help kind of create a little bit of that that Mississippi State um identity uh, a bit there and so he's obviously got the contract he is not the interim coach he is the head coach of Mississippi State but obviously, like any other coach in the SEC, no matter what kind of circumstances that maybe caused him to inherit this job, his expectation is going to be to win enough to keep the job. So I think we're about to find out a good bit about Zach Arnett here at Mississippi State. We're about to find out, is this a guy capable of being the permanent long-term answer there? There is no doubt that defensively he's created this version of the Bulldogs, the maroon version of the Bulldogs. He has created, created them into a pretty tough out. They are not easy to beat. Uh, they haven't you know, always won every, every game they played but they have proven to be pretty difficult to beat and certainly physically tough. You know what, after you played them. So there's an element to which I probably kind of root for Arnett here a little bit, just because, you know, those, those folks in Starkville have been through a lot. I'd love to see him provide some, some good vibes, some good feelings, but the SEC doesn't get any less challenging, no matter, you know, what, what your backstory is here on this. And so I think he becomes kind of an interesting figure. Honestly, I'm not even quite so sure I know what he looks like. You know, he's not a super famous figure necessarily, uh, but he's going to be facing a tough job here this year, and seeing how he grows into that uh, should be pretty interesting to see. And then finally, I'll mention this, and I'll keep this kind of quick. I think the situation at Kentucky, once again, to kind of transition to uh, two teams that have historically played each other as cross-division, I call them rivals if you want to, in the SEC. I think th- I think the situation with Kentucky is going to be really interesting. You know the changes they've made post-Will Levis era coming to an end. Rich Scangarello who's brought in as offensive coordinator, That was viewed as a one-year experiment and a failure. Scangarello's out. Liam Cohen, who had been in the NFL, came to Kentucky, then went back to the NFL, now coming back to Kentucky again. Isn't that true? Isn't the last four years of his resume, Rams, Kentucky, Rams, Kentucky? That's kind of a weird ping-pong back and forth that he's uh, sort of had there. But but Liam Cohen is now back as offensive coordinator again. And Devin Leary, the quarterback they bring in, who had been at NC State, is a guy that by appearances, sort of looks a little bit like Will Levis. I don't know if he's going to get the same kind of pre-draft attention that Levis got last year, but but by appearance it looks a little bit like what Will Levis brings to the table. This is a Kentucky team that in 2021 was pretty good, and part of the reason they were pretty good is, is they were able to add some offensive prowess to what historically had been a good defensive program under Mark Stoops and a team that had been physical along the line of scrimmage running the football, but they added that little bit of passing prowess And that made Kentucky a much more difficult team to beat. This past year, didn't have quite as much of that. So when you think about Kentucky, not as a dark horse contender in the SEC, no one's beating Georgia, but when you think about Kentucky as a team that also has to play eight other SEC opponents, how tough can Kentucky be on a schedule for those other teams? I think the expectation probably is that the return of Cohen at least upgrades the offensive performance a little bit. But for a guy like Mark Stoops, who you wondered at one point in time, does he kind of see the writing on the wall here a little bit, that... You know, he's kind of winning more at Kentucky than the average Kentucky coach is supposed to. But it still creates a level of restlessness with fans after a while. Uh, and he's also had kind of this sort of weird battle going on with John Calipari and Mitch Barnhart, the athletic directors, have kind of been in a little bit of a uh, crosshairs there, too, because of some of the stuff that's gone on. Interesting year of potential transition there at Kentucky as they try to find that offensive spark that they had in 2021 but didn't have this past year. And Mark Stoops tries to show the folks up there in the Bluegrass State that no matter you know what the Kentucky basketball reputation is, it's actually still the football program that runs things in the SEC here these days. So we'll see if Kentucky can find that offense that it once had but didn't quite seem to have too much this past year. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean and we'll get ready to wrap up here today and don't forget you know we've been doing some of our survey style questions with some of our uh, guests here this week so if you want to weigh in on that hit me up on twitter at dog nation daily or in the comment section dognation.com maybe we'll come back and give some more your thoughts on georgia's mount rushmore players some of the fun stuff that we've done maybe you'll have a chance to kind of weigh in on that there at some point in time we'll look forward to giving you a chance to do that also remind you that our golden shoes will return next week there as well Excited about doing that, and excited about also telling you too that 249 days from right now, lousy stinkers and uh, st- lousy stinking gators. I kind of slurred it all together there for a moment. Lousy stinking gators in Jacksonville got a big beat down coming their way. It's 249 days from right now. That is our Gatorator countdown. We love doing that every day here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. Hope you all have a great day. Hope you're enjoying these pre-recorded shows. We try to make them good for you. And we'll try to do it for you again right here tomorrow.